The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Tech Thursday with Andy O'Donoghue and I mentioned we were going to talk about robotic surgery and developments with tech and healthcare and Fawn texted in to say I'm blown away by my recent eye surgery mm. new lens, robotics and a brilliant surgeon, I've got supervision now and I think actually that's one thing I have been hearing from people extraordinary developments in relation to eye treatment Mm. because of robotic and other types of surgery. Yeah, it's over the last... I mean, we've had robotic eye surgery for quite some time and robotic surgery in general, but it just gets better and better, Matt. And we are still talking about... We're not talking about autonomous surgery. So these robotic surgery that we have now generally is where the robot assists a surgeon. And that assistance is for accuracy and often for speed um, because it makes for a very efficient uh, kind of workflow as they say in uh, in an operating theatre but I mean these are pretty remarkable the first uh, Wait, and my understanding as well is for a lot of things such as knee replacements hip replacements mm. or whatever is that you actually now have almost like an engineer overseeing alongside the surgeon while the surgeon does all the sort of the yeah. medical work you actually have a sort of a robotics or mechanical engineer watching how the equipment is working to make sure it does what it's supposed to do properly. And that's exactly what happens. And increasingly, operating theatres are manned or often just outside by by engineer who is an expert on the machinery. And then you also have different types of what's called interoperative monitoring going on, which would be various vital signs. And they, they're not medical people. They tend to be technicians, um, science graduates, but who are engineers, essentially. Um, what's interesting about uh, robotic surgery is that, and you mentioned orthopedics. So orthopedics is a really easy one for a robot because bone is very easy to work with. And when a bone is in place, it doesn't move. Where surgery is tricky, and eye surgery for one, and also any kind of organ surgery is people are very different on the inside, um, you know, from person to person. And also you have different sizes of organs. But we have, as I say, with the Matter Private in Ireland, they use the, um, in Dublin, they use the Da Vinci Surgical System system, which is pretty incredible because it has four of these interactive robotic arms connected to a high definition camera and the surgeon sits at a console and he sees the 3D image and the um, uh, his, his hand movements are translated into the robot. I mean, this is truly remarkable. It's not that long ago that we had the first, uh, the first uh, cardiac uh, long distance heart surgery was done in India, India, Dr. Patel, in 2018. And it was sort of an experiment. So he went 20 miles from his hospital and controlled the robot that did this uh, cardiac surgery. But it's incredibly useful, Matt, because uh, remote surgery is a boon to healthcare throughout the world. We often hear complaints in this country that we don't have particular types of medical or healthcare facilities in the west of Ireland or in the northwest or in the southwest or the southeast even. But if you have the equipment that can be controlled by a surgeon in a different location, it means manpower is no longer the problem. And so a significant investment in technology could help. But also, what about outcomes and safety, particularly when it comes to issues like infection? Because do these robots and the mechanics help in minimally invasive procedures? Because it seems extraordinary. I had my gallbladder taken out four years ago and it was done almost keyhole. Uh, 
They absolutely do. And so one of the big things about robotic surgery is you get smaller incisions, there is less blood loss, and there is a reduced risk of infection. Those three things put together means that you have quicker recovery time and you also have less scarring. Quicker recovery time means people can go home sooner and that generally leads to better outcomes. And so people will often, believe it or not, can go home the same day or even the next day now. Tell me about smart bandages. Uh, this is one of the things. I've been interested in this part of the the health tech world for a while and the advances are incredible. And essentially a smart bandage monitors um, and aids the healing of chronic wounds. So this is if somebody has a very bad, you know, kind of ulcerated um, uh, wound on their skin and the bandage can track the wound parameters. So it can monitor the temperature and the pH, the acidity. And that in turn allows the bandage to give insights onto infection and inflammation. And there is even work being done on bandages that release pharmaceuticals or medicine onto the skin. And so, and the great thing about these is they will literally cost, at the moment the estimate is that they will cost 10 to 30 euros or dollars. And, you know, it means means, again, people can get out of the hospital system and go home, but be monitored um, all of the time. Now, what about consumer health technology devices? I'm actually going to show you one as I have a little disc in my arm there and I'm taking up my mobile phone and I'm scanning the disc and I immediately get a reading on my glucose levels for helping me deal with my type 2 diabetes. How common are these things becoming? Increasingly so. Is that a Dexcom? No, it's a Libralink, Freestyle Libralink. Okay, yeah. So uh, Libralink and Dexcom and others, um, and these are exactly like you have uh, small sensors that go on, or often some now increasingly just below the skin that monitor glucose levels, and they send the data to your phone. And the great thing about this, of course, is you can share that with your GP at any point. They are increasingly common. And um, they, the price of these has come down significantly, but um, glucose monitoring was the obvious one, um, and they've addressed that very well. But they've even changed in the last couple of years. You used to have to have a, a separate device, which I lost. Okay. And so when I went back to the pharmacy last week, a couple of weeks ago, having got a little bit of a lecture from my doctor about management of my glucose, because I wasn't doing the uh, pinprick test often enough, and I went back to get this thing again. I said, I need a device. Said, you don't need the device yeah. anymore. It's now done off your phone. Yeah. So I now scan off my phone. And then it keeps all the record and I can add notes in and everything as well, which I can now give back to my doctor. Exactly. And that's an important part, say, of, mon- of uh, you know, for anyone who's monitoring um, uh, glucose is lifestyle. And diet tends to be a really important element of that and adding those notes. And technology has enabled that. The smartphone, of course, makes this possible. But there are other, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing more and more wearable biosensors. And this kind of brings us into the biosensor remit. And Philips have done remarkable work on, on this. And they have a new sort of biosensor they're working on called HealthBot. And you can wear it, um, or you can wear it anywhere. But um, most recently, I've seen it tested. Uh, people put it on their chest, it monitors heart rate, respiratory, skin temperature, but even posture and fall detection. So apart from kind of vital signs for people, um, say, who may be uh, suffering with mobility issues, who may be recovering from a hip surgery, it allows their doctor to keep an eye on them 24 hours a day. And like you, 
you know, you don't have to, it's very passive. And that's the wonderful thing about this kind of development in, in technology. Biosensors are fantastic. But again, to go back to my first point, if we can invest as, you know, be it the HSE or as a country, if we can invest significantly in this type of technology, it helps take people out of the hospital system and that's the best for everyone. What about the smart headband? What's that? Yeah, there is, I, I mean, this this is quite interesting and, and, and initially these sort of started as a bit of a gimmick, but they're no longer so and so there's a company called Muse and they make a, a headband called Muse too and it's a meditation and sleep headband it monitors brain activity heart rate and breathing but I've used this in an experiment and I used it as a, at, a, at a football match to monitor four fans from, a, from uh, the different teams and it monitors essentially it monitors emotion and um, it was really interesting to watch the contrast and I think it was the All-Ireland semi-final we did this for it monitored the different the contrast in emotion between them but what this is really useful for is for people who may be not feeling the best who may be addressing a mental health challenge and it may help them ultimately meditate and sleep better and get the rest that they need Andy O'Donoghue thank you for joining us for Tech Thursday The Last Word with Matt Cooper weekdays from 4.30 Today FM.